Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the new Bat-Ass Podcast adventures, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. Uh, my name is Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How you doing, Sean? Good, man. Uh, we should be face-to-face, as is the tradition yes. for this podcast, but uh, fucking COVID. Right? Well, you know, it's a new series. It's uh, We're taking new approaches on everything. Actually, <laughs> you can't. the listeners can't tell, but we both have redesigned our costumes for this season. Yeah, they're more streamlined, a little lazy, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> some good parts and some bad parts. We stand at really <laughs> interesting angles, though. Yeah, yeah. Everything is very squared off. Like, my jaw is like a right angle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. Uh, yeah, we we uh, we're covering what it, what is by the DVD count the fourth season of Batman the Animated Series, but what is known what was known at the time as the New Batman Adventures, and there's a few changes uh, to get into before we jump into the episodes. To may as well get that stuff out of the way. So this was this series right. was actually created three years after the completion of what is known as Batman the Animated Series. It had been running in reruns for a long time, and the WB had started up their Superman show, and they also wanted to capitalize on the uh, quote-unquote success of Batman mm-hmm. and Robin, which featured uh, Batgirl in, in that movie. So they created more episodes of Batman the Animated Series that with these new character designs, pretty much everybody's redesigned. There's a couple that kind of just get a little tweaks. We get a new Robin in Tim Drake, which is fun, and a lot more appearances of Batgirl. Batgirl's got a new voice. This uh, Batgirl is now voiced by Tara Strong instead of uh, Melissa Gilbert. And Tara Strong, who will eventually take over for Harley Quinn at some point. I'm not exactly sure where that happens, but Really? I believe so. Yeah, it's it's actually really funny. Uh, there's a, a a show that I I really enjoy that's on now called Superhero Girls, and Tara Strong does the voice of Batgirl in that show as well. And they are two very very different characters uh, between Batgirl from Superhero Girl and Batgirl from this show. Right. So it's fun to see her do both of those voices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I might have met this chick at a convention once, but I didn't know who she was. Yeah, she's. she's oh, well. I think she's at a lot of them. She's. Uh, she did Harley Quinn's voice in all of the games, uh, yeah. the Arkham games, and I believe she does it on the show at some point too. I'm not totally sure though. Uh, yeah. Okay. And we, in addition to all these changes, we also have to mourn a death that affects me, I think, more than anybody else, which is um, John Wayne. No, I, that's what I'm happy about. This first episode we're going to be doing, uh, Gotham Knights, features the last appearance until an episode of Justice League in 2003 of Bruce Wayne's Bruce Wayne voice. After this, he is Batman all the time, despite whether or not he's in costume, and it bumps me up. Right. You mean before he's hijacked by the girls, he has a few Bruce Wayne lines without Mm -hmm. him? Okay. Yep, yep. And it's that, that, uh, once he gets... Taken for a Goodbye. ride by Ivy yeah. and Harley, he gets. I guess that's the last straw, and he becomes very cold. For, yep. Uh, Goodbye, Goofy Bruce. Yeah, yeah. We hardly knew you. Actually, well, we knew you pretty well. I, it's <laughs> you know, honestly though, it does. It does fit the Goofy Bruce. Doesn't fit the new design. The new design no. is a lot colder. Yeah, it's more of a power suit with a red tie, sharp angles. When Bruce was wearing a double-breasted uh, brown suit with right. yellow pants, he's a little. Yeah, he looks a little poorly put together right this new one's sort of more gordon gecko 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's a better fit, I think. And we've got a new new intro song as well. Uh, I didn't do my job and look up who does the music, but it is not Shirley Walker. New, mm-hmm. uh, we actually we we had a tough time finding the intro for this because on my DVDs it runs the intro for the original animated series, which confused me because in the last series there was like 12 episodes or so where they changed the intro into this new intro. So why did they go back to this original intro? And we determined that it was because, uh, that the actual intro that was used on TV was the one for the new Batman and Superman adventures, which was kind of a, a mashup intro that features characters from both shows because they were broadcast as a single hour of television. Right. Um, but yeah, I think is there any uh, any other uh, housekeeping as far as that goes before we jump into the into the actual episodes? Are we? Uh, when are we talking about all the changes and designs that they made to the costumes and the villains and all that stuff? Um, let's wait till we get to the episode. Okay. All right. I don't want to throw you off here. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick break. And then we'll be back and talk about the first episode, Holiday Nights. Okay, Holiday Nights, written by Paul Dini, directed by Dan Reba. And in this one, we have three holiday-themed vignettes. The first one, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn kidnap Bruce Wayne and use his credit cards for a shopping spree. Second one, while shopping for a gift for her father, Barbara Gordon spots a group of shoplifters that turn out to be portions of Clayface. And the third one, Batman and Robin race to stop the Joker from killing the crowd at at Gotham. Sorry. Stop the... (laughs) Batman and Robin race to stop the Joker from killing the crowd at the Gotham City New Year's celebration. I would argue there's also kind of a fourth short vignette with Gordon and, and Batman at the end, which is kind of separate. But You mean like the only one that's worth a shit? Yeah, it really is. I, I have a lot of conflicting <laughs> thoughts about that, but we can, we can get into that when we get into it. Yeah, spoilers. Um, this is based on the comic Batman Adventures Holiday Special, which if I remember correctly, there's a there's a Mr. Freeze story in that comic as well that I think they either already adapted or it was too close to something else, so they didn't adapt it for this. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode, the, the other thing that's interesting about this is generally we've been going by the DVD listings, which seem to be chronologically accurate, at least in the first series. However, with this mm-hmm. one, uh, this episode takes place after the episode Sins of the Father and Growing Pains, which introduces Tim Drake and brings Clayface back after his apparent death in Mudslide. So this one, I don't know why they led with this one. Maybe I I think let's get into the costumes because I feel like one of the reasons they might have led with this one is because it features one, two, three, four villains and Batman yeah. and Robin and Bullock and Montoya and the Batmobile and yeah. the Batboat and yeah. uh whatever and it's just they seem to be showing off all of these new yeah designs. i got that impression too i you know i gotta say though i i this sounds to me like a corporate decision and not like a creative one mm-hmm. um if it's been three years since this award-winning groundbreaking cartoon is coming back in your first big episode it's gonna be like a non-traditional three-part episode of these 
vignettes where Batman is shopping. Mm. That sounds, I don't like that move. And I don't think you should start with a Christmas episode either. Like I get that Christmas episodes are often different than normal episodes, mm-hmm. but as your first big outing, I would have gone bigger than this. And this seems like corporations. It was, it was only September. It's not like, it's not like it was Christmas time. So they dropped the, yeah. you know, it's uh, right. Well, that, that's what I'm saying is yeah. maybe they thought they would roll this out starting Christmas and they move the schedule around or something because it's something not right here that doesn't feel very Batman. Especially with the next one, Sins of the Father being such a natural starting point given the story they're yeah. telling and how they're yeah. uh, reintroducing a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, like you don't even know who Tim Drake is in Holiday. You just see a short Robin. Right. You don't get any explanation until the second episode, you know? Yeah, yeah. And as 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 far as the designs, we may as well get into the designs. Okay, um, yeah. I th- do you I was surprised at actually how much I liked the Batman redesign because I I know yeah I do like it and I always have liked it but I I kind of mm-hmm. went into this expecting not to like it for some reason yeah I I'm not totally sure why I think it's because the in my mind the new the redesigns make for a colder more angular kind of show so I was expecting yeah. that to be a little bit more distancing. But uh, yeah. I think Batman looks great. I think he moves really well. The scene where they go in and he's chasing Harley and Ivy in that dark toy place, the lighting looked mm-hmm. awesome. I thought it was great. The gray and the black yeah. looked really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I think overall yeah. I'm, I'm, I like most of them. Yeah, I loved this new Batman mm-hmm. when I was younger. I, I love the more angular style. I actually had a very angular Bruce Timm style because of this season mm. uh it stuck with me for a long time even now when i render things you, i still have these angular bits that i just can't seem to get rid of like <laughs> square jaws and right angles and noses and pointy brows and noses whatever like i just no matter how much my inking changes i just can't get away from season four of batman as my <laughs> uh my basis um but yeah and i like that they streamlined the palette i like that gotham always has a blood red sky I like that the blue is removed from Batman. I like the green is gone from Robin. So you just have like a gray and warm palette, which mm-hmm. I think is a lot more simplified. The only blue left in the team is just a little bit on Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think with the flashback in the Joker movie that I just rewatched, that blue is actually turned to gray. And it looks a lot better. Like, I don't think they should have used the blue at all. <laughs> oh, really? On uh, on Batgirl? Yeah, there's just a little bit on her cape or the top oh, sure, of her sure. it's not It's not much. Um, but yeah, I, I there's some stuff I love. But I, I hate this new Batmobile. It looks more like a <laughs> F1 car. It doesn't yeah. sound like a gurgling eight-cylinder. I hate the new plane. It looks just like a, a long, elongated jet or something. Um, I don't know. There's something very cold about the animation, too. Like, it mm. lost a lot of its warmth. And I'm sure you'll hear me complain about that and describe it in different ways over the next few episodes because I'm, I'm having a hard time getting my arms around what exactly is bothering me about it. And uh, I like it a lot. I mean, it influenced my art for a long time. But now that I'm older and I look back, I kind of prefer a lot of what seasons one through three were doing because it just felt more organic. And mm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, it definitely I, – I found it less – uh, jarring as I was expecting, because um, mm-hmm. the the episode opens with uh, with Harley running around in her underwear in yeah. an apartment with Ivy, and it I was expecting to be put off a little bit more by the by the way that 
things are being drawn and, and everything. But I think mm-hmm. Ivy, I think Ivy looks great. I think Ivy is a definite improvement. Yeah. Off of the uh, uh, the leotard look that she had for the first three seasons. Although I do like the yeah. bright red hair, which they lost, but she looks still looks good. Yeah. Um, and Harley is pretty much unchanged. She they're just drawing her more yeah. in line with everything else, but her design is hasn't changed at all. Yeah, they um, like Joker looks more like a hood ornament. Yeah, they yeah. got rid of the red lips, I think, uh-huh. and his hair is just a swoop. Like he looks like he should be. He's like the front of a Rolls Royce or something. And he's got those black eyes too. Yeah, they went black eyes, white dots. So they went more cartoony, I think, all around. Um, you mean some of the children too? The way that some of the kids are crawling into Bullock's lap, the way that they're animated, looks more like a Warner Brothers cartoon. It doesn't look like it's on model for this universe at mm, all. But mm. it didn't really bother me. Yeah, you, you mean uh, the Joker's design is more is cartoonier outside of the fact that he gets a gigantic bell dropped on him like the Ki- Wiley Coyote, and then he's just like, "Oh, my back!" at the end. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. When he he should be literally he should be dead. His yeah. arm his arm should have exploded off of his body. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'll mention that later too. But I there's parts of this which feel a lot more uh, mainstream and fun and action adventure and mm-hmm. a little bit more youthful. But parts of it feel a lot darker too. Mm. Like I, I, I feel like the first sorry the first no, three seasons you had a lot of really mature ideas and interesting things. Like you think about Robin's reckoning uh, and how what what made Tim uh, uh, Dick Grayson. You had these moments where it was like, wow, that's really mature. And, oh, this is a kid show. It doesn't feel like a kid show. This feels like a kid show right until they inject something really dark, like. Mm. When Robin, the new Robin, is like, my dad dead, he's dead, isn't he? And Batgirl starts to say no, and Batman's like, yes, he's dead, Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, they just get really mature all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if that has to do with the main character, because they Batman, it they do skew him darker, at least, at least colder. And I wonder if with that comes this weird yeah. kind of... Uh, uh, adjustment they have to do to the world where if right. batman is going to be dark and cold then maybe they got to lighten up some of the other stuff a little bit and maybe not be as well, dark yeah. all the time. i think robin is a kid he's a lot more fun and jovial and mm-hmm. he brings nice levity to the script mm-hmm. and i think it's natural to take batman and make it push him more to being you know stern and hardcore yeah um just so they can play off each other and then you've got you know batgirl who's basically the same character she was in the first three seasons well, it's 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 interesting to me because at least based on this first episode, um, the the Batman and Robin dynamic that works so well mm-hmm. in general, um, but also worked to great effect in this show in the first three seasons, is having Robin be a bit lighter than Batman, and it mm-hmm. it it works really well in the first three seasons because they are not really neither one of them is an extreme version of that. So yeah. Batman's a little bit darker, Robin's a little bit lighter, and so they feel mm-hmm. a bit more like peers. Yeah. Whereas in this one, Tim Drake is a lot lighter. So I feel like to counterbalance that, they had to push Batman a yeah. lot darker. Right. You know what? I, I I immediately preferred this Robin over Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. The way that Dick acted in the first three seasons, I just felt like the jokes weren't landing. It was just too corny. It yeah. was too much like, Yahoo! I don't know. I just didn't take it seriously. But the voice actor that they got for this kid just I if you read the script, it still looks like it's gonna be corny. But the way he delivers it, he has like a slightly raspy voice. He just sounds a little more 
hardcore, even for like a, I don't know, 12 mm. year old. And I, I felt like his delivery was a much better. Um, and my overall take on Tim from this series is that Tim seems pretty well adjusted. Yes. Like I don't yeah. see Tim getting really <laughs> fucked up by like a failed father well, figure and letting his stuff go too far. He seems well adjusted until that movie that you were just referencing a couple of minutes well, ago. Well, yeah. We'll, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, get, to that we'll later. get to that much later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I could see the way that Dick was written. I could see him being set up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the way that Tim Drake is, it just seems like his kid is like pretty stone faced. Like it doesn't seem like much is really going to bother him. He seems pretty okay with his surroundings and Batman. And I don't see him, going against Batman or getting pissed off or regretful for any of these decisions. You know, it's mm. hard to describe. Well, if you go back and look at, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I, I think the the thing that's kind of interesting is if you go back and you look at the, the dynamic in the, in the original series of Batman and Robin, Robin almost, it almost feels like Robin is too old for this. Cause it, yeah. the, the thing, the, the criticism of Batman is always, Oh, he's got this little kid who's out there, <laughs> taking bullets for him and stuff but like in this show you get a robin who's like clearly 20 yeah and it kind of feels a little stale even though you haven't really spent that much time with him like it's kind of yeah it's kind of like yeah yeah, this is the thing i do in the weekends but i'd rather be at school trying to get my degree whereas dating girls right yeah getting getting pizza whereas you bring in tim drake and he's got that like the uh uh the explosiveness and the excitement that Robin is supposed to be the counterpoint to Batman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about each vignette separately? Eh, I don't, we can run through them. Like, like you said, they're kind of nothing. Um, why did you have two criticisms on the very first one? Sure. Sure. The shop. There's a, there's a, Harley and Ivy decide they want to go rob stuff and they use the lipstick to kiss Bruce Wayne and then they make him. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I was just going to say that's the thing. They don't rob anything, though. They pay for everything. So, right. So they use Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, so he uses credit card, and he's following them against his will, uh, grinding his teeth from store to store. Uh-huh. And there's these vignettes of them trying on different outfits, and it it feels like it's just it's like a fashion segment of yeah. these girls walking across the screen from head to toe, wearing different boots and shoes, and it's just like even as a kid, I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> And the other part, too, is uh, at the very beginning, Bruce is at this party, and they just so happen to find Bruce Wayne and, and use his money. Like, it, There's a lot of circumstance there, but whatever. So there's all these girls around Bruce Wayne, and they all are animated pretty normally, except for the Asian girl, who is animated with like black slits for eyes. No, I didn't even and notice it looks that. So, it looks so weird compared to the other girls. And uh, I... I try to be politically correct. I'm not as PC as other people are, as young people are. But even for me, I was like... That's a bad look. Yeah, I, I completely missed that. I did not even see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's it's a fairly contrived story because Harley and Ivy are hanging out, having a bummer of a Christmas, and these two <laughs> criminals, yeah, instead of going and just robbing the things, stealing the things that they want, they yeah. g- they track down Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. used Har- uh, Ivy's lipstick to mind control him into driving them to the store so they can legally purchase i mean maybe it's brilliant i don't know because but it seems like it's a long way to go for a ham sandwich for them but yeah i mean again this is season four i mean people must have been thrilled to have batman back and the first time you see him he's shopping 
with them and you're seeing him take this abuse in this comedic setting. Like I, I don't want my Batman getting hijacked and having to act that way. I just don't see him letting that happen. To me, he's more stoic and more, I don't know. I, uh, I watched these two uh, episodes with my girlfriend and she actually turned to me at some point. She said, so is one of the other redesigns of this season that Batman's just bad at his job now? <laughs> Man, when are we going to have Caitlin on the podcast? That's brilliant. <laughs> But she's she wasn't wrong because I mean in both of these episodes Batman kind of gets you know taken out pretty easily and has to be saved by uh, by yeah. by other people or he gets put into situations he probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was I was glad that Two Face looks pretty much like Two Face still. Right. Yeah. He just he kind of like got his hair slicked back a bit, but aside yeah. from that, he's the same. Yeah. yeah. Bullock was huge. Now. Yeah. He's he put on massive. at least fifty pounds. That was actually my favorite part of the vignette, though, when that one kid yeah. is sitting on his lap and just going, and I want a, a monster and uh, a spaceship, and uh, I thought that was really good. Well, when Bullock found out, he realized one of the kids was the daughter of a guy he put away, and uh, he starts he whispers to Montoya, like, oh, you're the son of old man or crazy Joe or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, he meets Montoya and says, yeah, I put that guy away, and he starts to feel bad. He reaches into his wallet, pulls out 20 bucks, gives it to the kid, and the kid's like, thanks, Santa, and runs away. <laughs> I think that was a good moment. Yeah. Yeah, It's I, I think it's got good moments in it. This whole episode has good moments in it, but I, I don't really know that the stories are really uh, are, yeah. are really worth telling, I guess. is yeah. uh, Maybe that's mean to say, but because um, yeah. the, the Bullock sequence is in the second vignette, mm-hmm. which is... Um, Clayface has disguised himself or split off into these little kids who are shoplifting, which is a fun idea, actually. Yeah. Uh, but it's over really, really quick. It's basically yeah. he gets he comes back together and he's like, no, it was me, Clayface, the whole time. And then he just kind of like <laughs> falls into the ice in the <laughs> deepest ice skating rink, uh, public ice yeah. skating rink water I've ever seen. I know. Yeah. And he's massive, too. He's the size of a truck. He's bigger than he was uh I don't know if they just didn't measure when it was time to scale him correctly, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and also, uh, the last time we saw him, he was kind of having trouble holding himself together. Right, right. And uh, you just you don't you, they don't really address why he suddenly got his shit back together. Apparently, we learned that Literally. in a couple episodes in the episode. Uh, uh, what is it? Growing pains. Oh, with the little girl. Yeah, growing pains. Yeah. Growing pains might be the heart of ice. According to most people who watch this season. Oh, really? Ooh, good. I'm looking forward. Yeah, to that. there's a few that are tied for first place, but that one always people always remember how heartbreaking it was when Robin fell for a girl who was just an extension of Clayface. Oh, spoilers! I didn't know that. Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I like his. I like his redesign. He seems to be kind of streamlined a bit. I think he looks pretty good. I think. Yeah. I think the so far the upshot of the redesigns is they seem to know. They seem to have a really good eye for when they don't need to change things that much. Like yeah. Harley clearly nailed it the first time out. No need to yeah. change. Uh, Two-Face, let's just tweak him a little bit, streamline him a little bit. Same with mm-hmm. Batman and Robin. Batman is more or less the same. He's got a couple color changes, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they might – some are better than others. Like the Joker I think is kind of – it's fine, but I don't prefer it. Yeah. Um, yeah. When we get to Catwoman, Catwoman yeah, Catwoman's kind of weird looking. She's terrible. Like I love the gray costume uh, they set her up with. And they just made her black with a slightly blue tint to her yeah. face. Yeah. It, it sucks. I'm glad that she's only in like one or two episodes. 
I hate it. Yeah, it's it's not the it's not the best best look. Uh, I like Bane. Will we get to him? He's uh, more, I, uh, I don't like that Bane. I'm not a fan. Of that Bane. <laughs> you don't like leather punk rock no, Bane? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he looks. That's one where it looks like they were getting pressure from the movie or something because he's got too much of that spikiness that the movie Bane had. And I never. You just like the the, the, the whatever the Mexican wrestler Bane. I I like a Bane that doesn't look explicitly like a dominant a, a BDSM <laughs> guy. He is a little sexy. Yeah, you're right. Um, um, when we get to Scarecrow, the design is amazing. Um, it is. It's the uh, he's like a oh corpse right. With he's a got noose the noose. Yes, that's a cool one. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely even to this day, it might be one of the best Scarecrow designs ever. Yeah, it's it's very it's very creepy. Yeah, we also get then, the uh, oh sorry, go ahead. No, so I was just going to mention Penguin, who uh, they turn him back into a uh, Adam West style. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Sure, kind sure. of kind of penguin, but we'll get to that later. Uh we see the first appearance here of uh Mo, Lair, and Kerr, the Joker's mime henchman. The, what? The yeah, the the big bulky <laughs> mime henchman who uh, uh always remind me of Batman eighty nine. I always loved that the Joker had mimes for henchmen. That's a, a good good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, what was the third <clears throat> vignette i forget that was the joker one where uh, they have to stop the joker from, from <laughs> in yeah. in another really kind of weird convoluted thing the joker says he's gonna stop killing people for a year but that means he's gonna kill as many people <laughs> as he can tonight it's kind of fun and then he hands right. out masks at a party and everybody wears that's a joker right, mask right. the joker mask party was fun i think that was probably the the most fun of that one for me yeah so the let's get to the final scene then because sure that's the only thing I liked about this episode. Maybe I liked a few bits with Bullock and all that, but the mm. uh, final scene is it's a uh, countdown till it's, the ball has dropped. It's now a new year and it's a diner late at night. And Gordon goes in after it's closed and uh, the waitress lets him sit down and he has a standing appointment with who other than Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman walks in, they share a cup of coffee. Uh, they have like they exchange a few words of like, here's to a new year or something. Uh, and then when Gordon turns his head, Batman's gone and he's already paid for the bill mm-hmm. um and gordon makes a mention like this is their yearly tradition which i think is great and i almost want to know i want to be there when they first decide like uh hey uh maybe we should get together when things aren't so crazy you know yeah. maybe a cup of coffee <laughs> like who suggested it first gordon was probably asking for like years and batman was like i can stay for like five minutes tops and then i got i got a lot of stuff to do <laughs> one of us has to be out there fighting crime jim <laughs> and like why that diner? Uh, Batman comes mm-hmm. in through the back. Does the waitress know he's coming through? Uh, I just want to know more about that. I it also it features the the new redesign for Gordon, which I always thought was funny because he's like he looks skinnier <laughs> and older. He looks he like does. he looks like you know if you have like an older uncle who you haven't seen in a while, and then all of a sudden he's a lot skinnier, and, and it's because he's like in his early sixties, and the doctor told him he can't eat cheese anymore. You know, yeah. he's got that kind of like older, <laughs> older man slimmed down for his health look. Yeah. 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 He's definitely withered away a little bit. Uh, they got rid of it. They changed his hair. So Gordon always had like this dairy whip yeah. frosting hair. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I like it now because it's nostalgia, but it's, I don't think it actually works <laughs> or it ever did. So this new version, they got rid of that, which maybe makes sense. Yeah. My my conflict about I I agree. I think that scene is great. I really like it. But. The uh, the conflict for me is 
I don't know if I like my Batman being that familiar with Jim Gort mm. with anybody really. Oh yeah, your whole your whole thing. I I just yeah. you know I I think it I think it's great in the show. Clearly they they have a relationship they've established in the show where they're kind of like mm-hmm. they're yeah. kind of buddies. Um, yeah. But I. I, I guess I can accept it because he only shows up for like 30 seconds and then he leaves. Yeah. I think that it works in a cartoon. It works in a comic if you handle it right. But I think once you start shooting real live action and you you can see how fleshed out and real their world is, mm-hmm. and it feels like your world, you're like, there's no way a cop would have right. a friendly relationship with a vigilante. Like, it doesn't work anymore. And I, it's that's the interesting thing is you switch medium from live action to comics and animation you know well you know i, I don't think that they have to be adversaries because it's like they, they yeah. clearly they work together they put the like i think i think the the their relationship in the nolan movies is probably the kind of relationship that i like where it's like they yeah. have a respect for each other they work together but it's not like they're hanging out on the weekends you know <laughs> right I mean, I like both, but I mean, so if you had this show, let's let's say this was animated, but um, sorry, the animated series was actually mirroring the Chris Nolan style, the, the Chris Nolan relationship between Batman and Jim. Mm-hmm. You think that would be better than what we have here? For this show, probably not, because um, yep. I think I, I think it the the place where this show has always worked well is when they inject heart into the stories they're telling. Yeah. And especially with Batman getting kind of darker in the show in general, um, it's nice yeah. to have a little bit of that. Because the other thing that the thing that I hate the most is a Batman who is portrayed as only aloof, only dark and only cold. Mm-hmm. Because it's just I mean, that's just yeah. kind of boring for me. And it's it's not a, that compelling of yeah. a character. Now, as dark as it is with Nolan, at least he makes a joke about. I'm not wearing hockey pants. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or like a kid sees him climbing a a fire escape and he hands the kid one of his like super cool telescopes and kind of winks at him. I think that stuff's really helpful in a Nolan script. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, if you can squeeze, if you can get that humanity into him, I think it works really well. Like I'm actually, I've been watching, um, the DC universe show Titans, the live action Mm. teen Titan show. And is it the fuck Batman? Yeah, yeah, it is so unpleasant. It, <laughs> like it's, it's um, like yeah. I went in with an open mind because I heard because you know everybody saw the fuck Batman trailer mm-hmm. and I was yeah. like, okay, I know what this show is going to be like. And a lot mm-hmm. of people I had heard say, oh, it's not really like that. It's that's just kind of something one scene, blah blah blah. I can confirm that's pretty much what the show is. <laughs> <laughs> is Dick Grayson being really mad and really angry at Batman, beating yeah. people within a winch, uh, within an inch of their lives consistently, yeah. being conflicted about being Robin, and everybody yeah. around him being equally dark and brooding. And it's just, there's nothing, I can't find anything enjoyable about it. Yeah. And it's, I was thinking about it, because it's like, okay, why does that tone work in a comic, but not, why does it feel like it's too much in a show? Cause they, this show rides this really weird line where it's, they're going for this like hyper violent gritty. Everybody's mm-hmm. throwing swears around, et cetera, et cetera yeah. tone, but they're all wearing like comic book accurate costumes for the most part. Right. And so it, 
the the contrast feels really weird and mm-hmm. also i don't go to robin for mm-hmm. dark gritty hyper violence you know yeah like yeah. so seeing that i think that that stuff works in a comic because of the medium doesn't let you take it quite as seriously you know yeah. uh, right when you're coming to the before you even get in the door i think there's mm-hmm. a level of uh hyper realism that you kind of apply to it where it's like, okay, this is, this might be dark, but it's a comic book. So whatever. Yeah. 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 Especially, you know, especially it, like a Batman comic book, like how dark are they yeah. going to really get for the most part? Yeah. It, you know, I feel like a lot of superhero movies or betrayals, whatever portrayals, sorry, they go off the rails when there isn't a unified vision. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is um, with this cartoon, for example, you've got a very clear uh, aesthetic. We all agreed on art deco the buildings Mm -hmm. we all agreed on you know chalky uh backgrounds that are inked on black paper um we agree on the uh, it's like everyone from the sound design to the animation background guy or whoever else even the voice actors they're all on the same page with what this is and i feel like when you watch some movies and and, um, tv shows sometimes it's like the costume guy isn't talking to the lighting guy who's not talking to the script guy Mm -hmm. who's not talking to the actors it's like everyone there just seems to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen mm. and they, they don't agree on what they're serving. Mm. Um, and I think you certainly, I, I, anyway, I felt that with uh, Zack Snyder movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the Zack Snyder cut is probably going to be airing by the time this podcast oh, comes out. definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't like Zack Snyder. I don't get what the big hubbub is at all. But I will say that the Snyder cut is probably going to have a unified vision. Oh, sure. It's just whether yeah. or not you actually agree with that vision. Yeah. I, I would say this show probably has a pretty clear vision, and I just yeah. don't like it. Because <laughs> it, like... The Titan show? The Titan mean? show, yeah. Because it's... Yeah. By the end of the first season, every single character on the Titans team has committed murder. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't really know, think that's why I'm coming to this, is to watch fucking beast boy turn into a tiger murder somebody and then have to deal with the fact that he just murdered somebody you know but whatever everybody everybody likes their own thing this is the snyder (laughs) thing i'm not a big fan of his stuff i know a lot of people are i actually but like you said it will have been out by the time this comes out but i'm actually really Uh looking forward to watching that me too um so maybe maybe we can circle back (laughs) and talk about it at some point yeah i never saw the uh whatever the original version. Oh, is really? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a JL, JLA. Yeah, just just what it is. Yeah. I, I tried to watch Batman Superman. I walked out of the theater after 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, when you finally reveal the Batmobile and you can barely see it, like, I hate that the clarity of storytelling is not there. And I don't know why DC got into bed with Zack Snyder in the first place. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think it's, you know, I, I think it was just his visual. I mean, he's a very interesting visual filmmaker. Yeah, so but, hire his director of photography. Like, yeah. <laughs> ooh, slow motion with 300. Isn't this amazing? Like, yeah, you're editing and sound guy. You know, those guys know what they're doing, but I don't think the director gets credit for all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, he. I guess you could say he managed to turn Watchmen into a successful movie, So, which is something that people he, thought wasn't possible to do. So maybe that bought well, him he helped turn. He made a Watchmen movie that helped turn Watchmen into a successful TV show. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, when they announced, because I, I was working with DC back when Nolan was stepping down and Zack Snyder was stepping up, 
And I thought, like, please don't get in the bed with this guy. I don't think he's the visionary <laughs> that you think he is. Yeah. And once he's, like, co- contracted into the system, it's going to take a decade to get him out. Right. And that's exactly what happened. And um, I never saw Watchmen, so I, that's, I understand that's one of the better ones that he's put out. It's fine. Yeah. It has... But uh, would... I'm glad that he's being worked out of the system. However, I do... I, we've never seen a move like this in Hollywood where there's been a, you know, fan reaction to this degree, like a, almost like a QAnon response to release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah. And when AT&T purchased Warner Brother, they're like, eh, maybe we'll release it, make some money off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, this has never happened. So I'm dying to see what, what happens. And I hope that it's awful and then we can all just finally agree that Zack Snyder should just be doing really amazing classics like Sucker Punch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 un- it's an unprecedented move, but honestly, like, it's a really smart one, I think, because... <laughs> Yeah, they could have spent seventy million dollars advertising HBO Max to try to get people to sign up, but yeah. instead they got a pandemic going on. They're not making movies, so yeah. throw the seventy million dollar advertising budget at Zack Snyder. Let him finish the movie. Use that as the yeah. selling point, and you know, there you go. Yeah, and everyone is online night right now to an incredible degree that we weren't a year ago. We're all mm-hmm. pissed off and at each other's throats. We just had the election, um, and all these, you know. Toxic men who supposed toxic men who are championing the Snyder cut, you can just throw a clip to them for free and they will spread it automatically for you. Right. You know, like the marketing of this was probably zero dollars. The most of the money went into giving Zach money so he could redo all that stuff, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a brilliant marketing move, but I think they're not going to know what to do with it either way. If it's huge, does that mean you have to rehire Zach Snyder right. and let him redo all of his movies? The- if it sucks, what do you do? I mean, the, uh, it's going to be amazing. The the really brilliant element, actually, um, which I kind of hope that he did purposely as a bit of a troll, is yeah. my understanding, this is kind of like a David Lynch move with Twin Peaks, uh, mm-hmm. my understanding is the movie ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> so, or, or I should say, right. not a cliffhanger as much as like, yeah. like the end of Back to the Future where Doc shows uh-huh. up and he's like, it's your kids, we got to go to the future. <laughs> It's like, well, they weren't intending. Oh, like a, a, they weren't intending to make a sequel. Pointed, yeah, there will be a sequel moment. Yeah, but they they weren't intending to make a sequel. But you know, they've got the lead in if they have one. So I, yeah. I my I feel like oh, so this is just backdooring it, just in case this does really well yeah. and they decide to let yeah. them make another one. But whatever, sure, fine. You know, I mean, if Disney's having success with Mandalorian and WandaVision, then why don't they just go to Zach and say, hey, how about doing 10 one-hour episodes of the Snyder Vision? Just keep going. Sure. See how that works. Like, that can't be as bad of an idea as anything else that they've seen yeah. trying lately. I think, you know? I think the most interesting thing about comics, movies, and TV at this point is um, since they have embraced the idea of both companies seem to have embraced the idea of like the multiverse, Yes, it means everything is on the table. Yeah. Like there's no we can't do that yeah. because it'll be too silly. We can't do that because it'll be too dark. Everything is on the table. Yeah. Which yeah. hopefully will means we'll get some interesting stuff uh yeah. more often than not. Sometimes sometimes you get WandaVision, sometimes yeah. you get Titans, but we can't win them all. Yeah, you know, I mean I am dying for Michael Keaton to be back on camera and I'm dying for them to bring back the eighty nine Batmobile. To me, that is like Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon type moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whether or not the script is good, I don't know. But <laughs> you get a lot of points, bonus points right out the gate. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how they're going to do it, what it's going to look like, but I'll, I'll be there to watch it when they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny because like they all thought that, oh, the average customer, the average moviegoer isn't going to understand the idea of multiverses. But then Spider-Man came out and right. everyone was like, oh, this is so this is so simple. So now yeah. it's just like, cha-ching, great, I mean, let's get Michael Keaton. I've, I've said it before, but the, they did Crisis of, on Infinite Earths on TV. Yeah. You know, like the, 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 the multiverse story to end all multiverse stories they did on, on TV across five shows, you know? So yeah. clearly people are, it, yeah. it's not, a, it's not beyond them to understand the concept. So. No, no, they over, they underestimated their audience. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> um, to round out this half, uh, yeah. what would you, what would you draw if you had to draw something? Yeah. I'm a big sucker for drawing diners and people sitting and drinking coffee. Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take the last scene. Um, there was a scene in uh, White Knight where Gordon is pouring a cup of coffee, and I have the sound effect kind of slither near his mug that says C-O-F-F-E-E. <laughs> like the sound of coffee nice. pouring is word coffee. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a sucker for that kind of shit. What about, what about you? Um, that's a really good one. Uh, I can't decide if that would be an easier day or a harder day. Because it's like, well, you know, they're not doing much, but you got to render that that diner and make it look really great. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of um, booths and and seats and shit. <laughs> yeah. You uh, know, diners are nice because all the booths are ellipses, right. Equally spaced from each other. And drawing a fancy restaurant is a lot harder than drawing a diner, I think. Yeah, I you know I always have trouble drawing restaurants and diners and stuff. I don't know why. I think yeah. it's just because there's so much stuff. Right. You know. Um, what would I draw on this one? I would draw. I don't know. For some reason, my mind keeps coming back to the three kids turning into Clayface. Like, yeah. I think I think you could make a cool couple panels of like silent storytelling. I think I think that story would be really cool to do as a silent story, like in a comic mm. of yeah. the kids stealing stuff, like behind the scenes as you're seeing you know, Bullock doing the Santa thing and they're kind of sneaking in and doing stuff. And then it all kind of comes together with them turning into Clayface. I think that could be pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. You could, uh, it's simple enough where you really don't need words if you don't, you didn't want to. Cause like, yeah, a, the story is, yeah, the story is so simple. Like I think you, you need to have the hook work mm-hmm. and paying off the Clayface thing, I think works better if there's nothing else really kind of getting in the way of, of getting you there yeah. if that makes sense yeah so yeah. i think i think that's what i would probably draw what would you what would you rate this one this is our first episode <laughs> of the new series right out the gate <laughs> i'm gonna go two yeah 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 i sorry i want to say three based entirely on that last sequence in the <laughs> diner but yeah this isn't um yeah it's not my favorite yeah the two as well it's like a shitty blowjob and even though you get to come at the end the whole the whole process was a, tra- a tragic nightmare. <laughs> no, nobody. Okay. <laughs> I uh, where's my glass of water? I can't. I can't sip my water loudly. Anyway. Am I right, ladies? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about sins of the father.
Okay, Sins of the Father, written by Rich Fogel, directed by Kurt Gaeta, Gita. And in this one, young orphan Tim Drake becomes Batman's new ward when he becomes involved in one of Two-Face's deadly plots. The most interesting thing to me about Tim Drake in this show is his origin, because it is so fairly drastically different than it is in the comic. It's kind of mm-hmm. Tim Drake in this show is kind of a cross between Tim Drake and Jason Todd to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, because in the comics, Tim Drake is his dad is not a criminal. I believe he's I think he's uh, like a scientist or something. I can't remember exactly, but he's uh, his dad. Yeah. He and his dad have a good a decent a pretty good relationship like it's not yeah. it's not a point of contention his dad's not a uh uh not a criminal and mm-hmm. tim i believe oh, man i can't exactly remember how he finds out that tim finds out that batman bruce wayne is batman like on his own it involves uh uh he has to attempt he has to convince dick Excuse me. He has to convince Dick Grayson to become Robin again because Batman needs a Robin because after the death of Jason Todd, Batman starts like doing like a a darkness spiral. Um, Mm -hmm. And since Dick doesn't come back, Tim Drake jumps in and becomes Robin. And he's got his he's got a very like different uh, portrayal in the comics than he does in the show. And mm-hmm. I don't hate the portrayal. I think th- I think the show version of Tim Drake is is pretty fun and interesting. Yeah. So according to the Wikipedia on comic version, uh, Tim Drake's father Jack is an archaeologist and a businessman. Sure. Um, he uh, Tim Drake was actually there when Robin's family fell to their deaths. Um, when Tim was a child, his parents took him to Hallie's Circus, worried that her son might be afraid. Janet was somewhat reluctant to attend until Jack suggested that they have their picture taken with some performers. At that point, the headliner of the circus, the Flying Graysons, were passing by and happily agreed to the photo. The youngest performer, Dick Grayson, would later become the first Robin Peter Nightwing. He held young Tim in his arms and dedicated his first performance to this, dedicated his performance to the small boy. So, I didn't know any of that stuff. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's some serious yeah, retcon. Not a there, yeah. criminal father. Nothing to do with Two Face. <laughs> yeah, I think the Two Face yeah. thing is uh, is also a Jason Todd thing. I think Jason Todd's first uh, yeah. appearance or first mission in the comics yeah. involves Two Face. But yeah, Jason Todd's origin is uh, he gets mm-hmm. Batman catches him trying to boost the hubcaps off the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> he's more of a street kid. He's more like the way that they uh, they show Tim yeah. in this one. But he, he's more of a hothead than Tim is. So let's take this opportunity to talk about the Jason Todd White Knight uh, 48-pager that you and I are going to be pitching. Sure. For writing for DC. Yeah. Um, so as anyone who's been listening to this knows, Clay's been helping me as my silent partner and editor uh, <clears throat> with uh, White Knight all these years. And I pushed and pushed and pushed to try to get his name. Some kind of credit, and you know the way bureaucracy works. It just that's nothing I could do. Um, so finally, I was able to tell them, well, why don't we do a Von Freeze? Meaning, why don't we release Volume Three of White Knight? We'll have issues one, two, three, four. Then we'll take a month break, and we'll put out a, a, a forty-eight page one-shot drawn by somebody else. Um, but this time, instead of me writing it, uh, I felt that Clay and I should write it. Which means Clay is going to be doing most of the work, and I'll just be taking the credit. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing changes, is what you're saying. Yeah. 
that basically. No, no, that's uh, not true, obviously. Well, it's, I, I love setting you up for that joke. It's your favorite grenade to lob. Uh, it's, it's obviously not true. That's the only reason I love it. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but yeah, we're talking to different artists. We think we've got a really good Italian artist. We won't say his name because I don't know what's going to happen yet, but I'm getting excited about it. Um, I uh, mistakenly tripped into the Jason Todd uh when I threw him into White Knight, I sort of threw him in as an Easter egg, not knowing it was going to change a lot of my story. Not only the orders of the Robins, but I decided to address Jason Todd in the final page of Curse of the White Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Bruce's jailer. Like The idea is he was brought in because he would have some knowledge of how to contain Batman, even though Batman is in jail willingly. Um, and from there, I'm not really sure where to take it in Volume 3. I have some ideas, and Clay and I are going to get together and figure this out. But we thought that it would be a good opportunity to do a 48-page one-shot talking about what the hell happened to Jason Todd mm. all these years and maybe even setting up a, a new Robin, uh, a younger version of him. Like, he sees a Robin in the city and he swoops in to help her and he learns about this fangirl who's trying to act like a Robin. And um, It's not solidified by any means, but I think you're going to hear Clay and I talk about our Jason Todd story a lot this season. Yeah, when, when you first pitched me on on doing a jason todd thing i wasn't really sure what the angle was that was like kind of interesting to me for for him because it's uh because you hadn't really established much about him and and i i don't know him super super well as as well as i know some of the other characters but we were kind of talking about it and we kind of came down on this idea that he's kind of like uh johnny lawrence from cobra kai and like as yeah. soon as we came to that, I was like, okay, I know how to do this now. And I think I think that would be a really is gonna be a really fun way to kind of portray him as someone who's yeah. who's kinda over the hill, uh yeah. trying to teach the the young kid about being about what being a badass vigilante is like, but constantly getting brushed back because he doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. Right. Yeah, and he's he's sort of he set him up as a failure in that I have him in the military or he's ex military. Oh, do I? Well, I'm going to. I'm going to have him having washed out of the army. Uh, we talked about maybe having him be like a bodyguard or do private work. And he screwed that up too. Like maybe he slept with his client. And, mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, we definitely want to put him down on his luck. And uh, we know that Jason Todd is the angry Robin, but the question is like, is he still angry with Bruce? Mm-hmm. For me, in Volume Three, I, I sort of wanted him to be over it. Like he's gained a lot of wisdom and he's not as uh, affected by this as Bruce thinks he would be. Um, and maybe Jason Todd would be able to talk to the other Robins and let them know, like, you know, Bruce gets in your head for a while, but there is, there is a second that y- you will be able to move past it at some point. Like you don't have to be angry forever. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that would be Jason Todd's uh, pitch to Dick. Who's very angry with Bruce and, and white Knight. Yeah. Yeah. And if, Either of these characters need to get a new piece for their costume when they happen to walk down to <clears throat> a certain store owned by one Brandon Brandanowitz. <laughs> then uh, we'll see if that happens. Yeah, yeah. If we can somehow put him in the background and set that up, That's... I don't even know. If we, it was hard enough getting Noon Grew to do a, a, a forty-eight page one shot of a known quantity like Jason Todd. <laughs> Trying to get them to do a character like a goofy uh, <laughs> brand manager book. Yeah, don't don't. <laughs> Don't draw attention to it. He's just there. <laughs> we just slip him in, and then he becomes part of DC Comics continuity, 
And yep. that's just that's just it. He just there. It's like, oh no, I never expected yep. that guy to become a character. I did. I, the I will whole say time. this: if there's ever a White Knight animated universe, and we do have a brand manager in there, I'm going to pull for you to do his voice. Oh please! I think you do an excellent job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> back to the back to the show. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, Jason Todd, stay tuned. We'll, we'll be name dropping that a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. This, um, I liked this episode quite a bit. I, I was, I was worried that was, this was going to be kind of like, yeah. uh, a little bit more, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't know if there was going to be much there, but I thought that they hit the notes they had to hit pretty well with, with Tim yeah. Drake to make you kind of sympathize with him and mm-hmm. um sell him being in awe of batman and all that kind of stuff and sell his the yeah. energy that he brings to boosting the robin costume and helping out at the end i thought it was good yeah it it i liked it a lot it does feel quick it does yes. and i know that that's what they i know that that's what they were doing you know they didn't take two episodes like they did with robin's reckoning i get that but it just felt so fast that it feels indicative of a lot of the tone of this entire series, actually. Um, and I'm not sure if that'll like make sense to you as we keep moving forward. Mm. But yeah, I mean, there was just very little fat on it. Everything moved very quickly and efficiently, but almost too much. So There's, it doesn't give you much time to chew on things like seasons one through three did. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kind of rush you through a couple things that, uh, yeah, like, uh, Batgirl apparently knowing that Bruce Wayne is Batman and hanging out at the Wayne Manor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I guess yeah. all that stuff gets covered later. But Yeah, I, like Two-Face holding the city hostage isn't great. They've done that before. That one, uh, that that was the one weak spot because I think there is a big flaw in his plan because his plan is <laughs> that he wants like $222 million by 2 a.m. <laughs> otherwise he's going to gas the whole city. And they're like, we can't find Two Face. No one knows where he is. No, no one knows where he is. And I was thinking, well, that's clearly a flaw in the play. How is he going to get the money if they don't know where he is? They don't know where yeah, to drop yeah. it. Yeah. That, or if the wind changes and it goes out to sea or goes into Bloodhaven. Or yeah. I, I mean, what you got to do in order to do that correctly is you have to take over Alcatraz and you got to launch yeah. those chemical weapons from Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> and hope that nobody swims out there and sneaks their way in because they used to be there as a prisoner and then they escape, but then they, they're the only person ever to escape. And then they get uh, sent back. Man. I'm trying to decide on which quote from the rock to use right now. <laughs> they're all so good. <laughs> Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and, uh, how about when uh, Batgirl is defusing the bomb and she's like, um, Mm, I don't know, and the numbers keep you know just, counting down, and she just finally pulls the wires out, and it's fine. I mean, hey, man, <laughs> you may as well give it a shot. You've got three seconds left before the place gets gassed. Just start pulling wires. That I know that is so not in line with how diffusing bombs usually goes, even with this cartoon. <laughs> was it? Was it? Was it you that was asking at in one of our? I can't remember yeah. if it was in an episode or something else. Like why there yeah. are clocks on bombs. <laughs> Do they really need clocks on bombs, wristwatches? Do they really right. need like a red a red light blinking? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or is it just a movie thing? Yeah. Yeah. Or do bomb makers take pride? Because I think bomb makers now, <laughs> I don't know why we're getting into this. They must have grown up watching TV and really liking the, the bad character, of course. 
So maybe there are bomb makers now who are more fanboy bomb makers who are doing it in the way Hollywood told them. Yeah. It's kind of like apparently um, being in the mafia in the 70s was sort of a joke because they it wasn't like it was back in the 50s. They didn't have like a strong moral code, if mm-hmm. you call it that. Mm-hmm. And then when The Godfather came out, from what I understand, a lot of the wise guys in the 70s are like, this is our culture. This is what we should be doing. So they sort of like cleaned things up a bit and try to and sort of reminded of what, what they could be. So all of the mafia guys after the Godfather were sort of doing their impression of what the Godfather told them they should be doing. Yeah, that, that sounds, makes sense. That sounds right. And I wonder if if the bomb makers are sort of doing that too. Like, yeah, they're studying movies about bombs rather than the original bomb makers from like the forties or whatever. Yeah, to par- <laughs> to paraphrase Scream, movies don't make bomb makers. Movies make bomb makers more creative. <laughs> but honestly if i, I mean yeah. if i was a guy who made but i would totally do that i would all yeah. of my bombs I mean, would be like joker yeah. joker bombs basically right i mean if you think this it's really sadistic too because the guy that's going to find your bomb might be the only guy to ever see it and yeah. you're pressing the hell out of this guy right before you rip him to shreds yeah i mean you know everyone's you're always playing to an audience of one no matter what you do right <laughs> <laughs> like, has any bomb maker ever opened a bomb and been like, you know what, man, this is actually pretty boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure it happens a lot. Uh, but yeah, oh, uh, Two Face, Two Face's plot is whatever. <laughs> um, it, it's not really. Uh, uh, I think the the darkest thing about it, yeah, is when Batman is just. They're like, yep, they found a body whose prints match the prints of of Tim Drake's dad. Your dad's yeah. dead, kid. And he's like, okay, yeah. well, I knew that was going to happen eventually. Yeah, Batman, she, Barbara actually makes a thing, a, a comment to Batman earlier where she suggests that he won't empathize with a criminal ever. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that quick one-liner? Uh, I think so. I, I don't totally remember it, though. Yeah, there's a quick little note where it's like, oh, this is sort of a more cut-off, emotionally cut-off Batman. Mm. Um and then, yeah, with uh, Tim, like Barbara's going to use her kid gloves to say that maybe Tim's dad is just missing. And Batman just turns around and is like, nope, he's probably gone. Yeah, yeah. 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 He doesn't sugarcoat it. Yeah, it's, um, um, they, it seems like they set Batman up to be more of the, uh, uh, the no-don't kind of Batman when it comes to mm-hmm. a new Robin where he's like, no, don't do this. You're not going to be right. But he doesn't really put up much of a fight. Once, once he shows yeah. up dressed as Robin... He's like, uh, crap. Yeah. And then that's kind of it. <laughs> well, he's really good with that battering. It is. Yeah, he's very like, good. Like, really, really good. Yeah. I, my, uh, my favorite part of this episode is actually something that seems like super, super lazy writing, but I can see the discussion in the writer's room as to whether or not Batman would be good enough at his job to do this. And as we were watching mm-hmm. it, my girlfriend actually said, you know, that's actually a really good skill for Batman to have, which was when they see uh, Batgirl looks at the note and there's an indentation of the key on the paper. And just mm-hmm. by looking at it, Batman knows yeah. that it comes from the storage lockers at Gotham Airport. I thought there was like a small logo pressed into the paper of the airport. Is that it? I, I did not see that. If, if that's the case, so- that's 100% more believable. Exactly, but so I rewound it, and that's not the case. Oh. But if that was a comic book, like I would have rendered that, obviously, because Batman just doesn't recognize it. 
<laughs> as amazing as he is, come on. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't know what paper he wrote that on that managed to press a perfect indentation of a key into it just by putting it in an envelope, but whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, this seems like lazy. How do we get from yeah. point A to point B? But it's also right. kind of something that you could understand Batman being able to do. Yeah. Because um, like, know, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bruce Wayne just gather up all the keys from municipal buildings so he can make copies of them and also know by looking at them exactly what buildings they go to or something. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, this is a really amazing discussion about keys, <laughs> but there really is only a handful of keys that we all use. Like if there's just universal sizes and stuff that we've been using for decades. Like you go to a hardware store, you get a key made, they can look at it and pretty much figure out, Oh, it's one of those kinds of keys. Like mm. if you're not, you know, around it, it seems like each key is a snowflake, but as far as like the part of the key that you grip, what it's made out of, which side the sliders on, all that stuff, like there's really not as much variety as you would imagine. So Batman looking at a key, I, even if he knew the shape of that key and where it came from, I, I don't think he would specifically ever be able to say it was, it was from this airport, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I have keys <laughs> in my key ring. I've been using them my whole life and I still get them wrong. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I bought this old Victorian house, we still had skeleton keys in sort of the, a lot of the locks oh, and nice, stuff. Oh, nice, nice. And uh, yeah, the, why there weren't more break-ins back in the day is beyond me, because these things are pretty easy to to, <laughs> <laughs> to uh, replicate. I, I feel what movie or show I was watching where they found a letter and it had a key dented imprinted into it, and they were able to recreate the key and actually use it to open the door. Does this sound familiar to you at all? Is this some action movie that I'm not remembering i that you're... i remember i feel like it was a mission impossible or something where they they bring along like a thing of wax and they yeah, press the okay. key both sides of the key into the wax i can't remember exactly what it is though but that sounds like what i'm trying to think of yeah, yeah whatever that was uh and but in hindsight if you get the if you grind down the little tines you know a hair of a, a millionth of a millimeter too much the key won't work anymore yeah, so yes it's hard to imagine like a a wax cast actually being able to do the job. Yeah. Well, join us next week on KeyCast. <laughs> all the different uh, keys. But so there was a really great moment in this uh, episode that I never really appreciated. And uh, I think most people miss it. So when um, Batman is fighting the bad guys and he's in the bat boat and Robin, Tim is sort of with him. And uh, Tim helps him into the bat boat and the boat drives itself back to the bat cave. And once the... Uh, in the cave and the hood opens up alfred's there and he, instead of seeing bruce he sees bruce with tim mm-hmm. and alfred's reaction is like oh my oh no he's stolen but, another boy well so here's what i thought when i watched that as a kid i thought alfred was worried that batman was about to be ruined by tim but in hindsight i look at that and i think maybe he was worried about tim being ruined by batman sure yeah, you know what i mean because it's, it's his delivery of the line that makes me feel like he's more worried that Batman's about to destroy a poor child's life with his crazy hobby. Um, he seems, maybe I'm reading too much into it. He seems to have a penchant for collecting young people. So Yeah, not weird at all. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing going on no, here. No, I think that's definitely fair. I think that's uh, that's definitely a reading you could you could take from that. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I think the... The one of the more interesting elements in this is the, which is also something that they lift and kind of remix from Jason Todd is the mm-hmm. Batcave has <clears throat> that Robin suit 
uh-huh. up in the uh, the case there, which I th- I thought was hilarious because when he first shows up, when Tim first shows up, it's on the same level as the Bat computer, and then later on they've moved it up onto like a balcony for some reason, mm-hmm. maybe because yeah. they knew he was going to take it and they didn't want him to be able to get to it. But uh, <laughs> it's it's funny because it's a it's a costume that Dick never wore. It's it's just a different yeah. design. In um, fact, when uh, they do uh, uh, later on in the season, there's a flashback episode about when Robin left and he's like punches Batman in the face because he's sick of all of his bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dick is wearing the green tights. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why you wouldn't just put them in the red ones if it wasn't, you, you know, you set up the red ones in the first episode here. Or second this episode. suit was in poor. I was going to give this to you for your birthday, <laughs> but you know, fine, just go to college dick wait everyone the surprise asshole <laughs> well the thing i've um, always found interesting about that suit in the case is um it, batman keeping suits in cases is never a mark of like something good that's happened like it's <laughs> it's it's not like this is where all my teammates come to suit up it's no this is the suits of everyone who's dead <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or who's had their backs broken or something like it's it's yeah. a very specific purpose to display that yeah. case. And they yeah. while it doesn't have that same weight here, it mm-hmm. has a similar kind of weight because it's the it's the Robin suit. Robin doesn't exist anymore. And this is it yeah. does have that kind of reverence to it. Well, there's always been an element of Bruce being his own fanboy in a way. Because mm-hmm. if you think about think about your studio, Clay, you could just be working on a drafting table with your tools in your record player, mm-hmm. uh, you don't need to have all those toys around, but you choose to because you, you kind of get into it. You sure, know? sure. Um, in the way, if Bruce was just 100% focused on crime, he would just have everything in his cave would just be useful and nothing would be unnecessary. Yet, he chooses to decorate and have little statues and trophy cases and stuff like that because part of him is his own fanboy in a way. Yeah, it would be like if I only decorated with my own art. In which case, yeah. <laughs> someone would come over and go, wow, you are a fucking sociopath. So our, our friend, uh, Will Sliney, who I don't think listens to this, which is fine. He's an Irish Hi, artist. And, uh, he's a, <laughs> he, uh, Whatever he's about to say, I didn't have any part in. You know, he put up in his studio, he very unashamedly, and very non-Irish, I would say. The Irish people are usually not known <clears throat> as a culture of people that like to gloat and show off. But he went, he saw fit as a designing and printing out a massive mural of his own art with his own name on it. Will Sliney, big and splashy and colorful on uh, a giant wall in the studio. And when he films stuff there, you can see this wall like proudly displayed in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Will's a good friend. He's not that guy at all. He's not an arrogant jerk at all. Like you would imagine when you see somebody who has that kind of a mural. <laughs> but for me, what always gets me is like, I never... I don't like to hang up my own art because I'm just going to nitpick it right. and I'm going to start finding flaws right. and I'm going to hate it. Yeah, I, like I would never get a tattoo of my own shit. Yeah, I I don't even look at my own books when they come out <laughs> generally, but <laughs> yeah. it's you know it's it's one of those things where it's I think part of it comes from growing up as an artist. Uh, <laughs> your family tends to hang stuff up a lot. At least yeah. mine did. My mom still has paintings I did in like college hanging up, and it's like it's one of those things where I walk by and I go, "Why did you hang that one up?" You know, and I don't want to. I don't want to say that to myself. You know, I have enough. I have enough self doubt in my abilities as it is. I don't need to be constantly checking yeah. myself every time I look at the wall. Yeah, but yeah, that's I just me. I don't. I don't blame him for putting that thing up because that's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I, I do appreciate people who are proud of their career and not afraid to show it. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking around now. I have the uh, posters of uh, Hellblazer, Punk Rock Jesus, and Off-Road. But yeah, like you, like I don't usually even read my own books. I think when a book gets printed, like Batman comes out, it's usually my bathroom read for maybe a month, <laughs> and then I put it away. Like I have not gone back and reread White Knight or Curse at all, and I probably never will again. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even remember what I did in the wake in Tokyo Ghost. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's that's just why that, there's just... so the continuity between the two volumes of Batman is so lax. Well, that's why I'm so glad to have my editor go, yeah. hey, uh, remember this big issue in volume one where you did this? She well, shoots kinda... her Joker in the face? <laughs> I would never do that. I don't thing. remember that. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. That doesn't sound like me. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's just not, it's not something I've ever been because I, I don't I don't draw inspiration from my own work, you know, and yeah. that's. That's why I keep so much stuff up is because I look at it and I go, oh, that's really good. Yeah. You, know, I, I, you feed off the you energy ever, of, of other people. You don't ever look at an old piece and go, you know what? I actually nailed that face. I wish I could. I wish I inked that way now. Like, do you ever look at your old stuff and are reminded <clears throat> about techniques and chances you took and sort of go like, oh, yeah, why did I stop doing that? That was really effective. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I. It's not usually something that is of a of a whole that I like. But mm-hmm. I'll flip through some of the old stuff and be like, oh, that's that's kind of a cool piece. I don't really do that anymore. I kind of wish I still did yeah. that. But it's like it's not something that I would put up on the wall or anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, when I look at my old stuff, I, I look at how loose I was. And mm-hmm. I have to keep fighting myself and getting cleaner. Because like as you master a technique or get better at anything, you just tend to do it without making mistakes. And I, I kind of want the uh, – I want mistakes in my art. It's mm-hmm. like – chalkiness or weird you know crunchy you know lines and dry brushes and stuff like i i I'm, i think that stuff is cool like i love adam hughes but i don't want beautiful clean lines like adam hughes i want you know bill sankavich if i can get it right um yeah. and i always tend to ink things more and more clean and then i'll catch myself i'll look at an old piece and i'm like man i used to be just you know so brave with that brush what the hell happened you know yeah yeah i tend to do that actually a lot as i'm working is I'll find that I'm I'm getting really stiff in certain places, and I kind of I kind of have to stop and kind of shake it off a little bit. Like, well, this isn't this isn't how I work. This isn't not this is not me. Yeah. Um. But in some places, like I think one of the things that I do a lot when I look at my own my old stuff is I I see the things that didn't get the focus mm-hmm. that sh- deserved more focus. Mm-hmm. Um. And a lot of times. You know, like you're saying, you you want to have mistakes in your work, yeah. but I think for me, I've always been trying to figure out what the right places for those mistakes are. If that makes sense, that's a better way to say it. Yeah, I don't think I don't like the way I worded it, but yeah, I agree with what you just said. Because, like, you know, there are certain elements or you know, anatomy or whatnot where I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, I can see why I did that kind of mm-hmm. loose, but I don't really know if that was the right place to do that in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. or, you know, a ba- the thing that kills me is I, I really don't like drawing small mm-hmm. because my hand, I like I end up gripping the pen so tightly and it's like, <laughs> I, it's the whole reason yeah. I started drawing the way I do is because I'm not a clean artist. So I, uh-huh. I needed to develop a style that kind of like worked with that as a, as a, a strength. 
So when I try to do small things, I tend to just kind of do them quickly and Mm -hmm. probably not put the attention that needs to be there in a lot of them. And when I look back, I go, oh, yeah, okay. That thing in the background that anybody, a lot of my other favorite artists, when they do stuff like that, it looks of a piece with everything else. I just Mm -hmm. clearly you know, went through it pretty quickly because I was more focused on the bigger thing. And that's something I'm always struggling with as far as how much, where, where to put my focus, where to make sure, even if I'm not spending all my time on it to make sure it it looks as solid and everything as everything else. Yeah. That's always the balancing act, the, you know, trick to it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've started inking with, um, a calligraphy nib. Oh, cool. Just because it's, it's uncontrolled, slightly uncontrollable. It gives you, uh, little happy accidents that you can roll with mm-hmm. and it you have a lot of energy that it, by going raw and fast like the the uh, finished pieces just have a lot of energy in it and um i've always been obsessed with like you know if you put down a you sketch somebody with a calligraphy nib those lines are going to look kind of shitty right mm. um so what's interesting to me is how do you make all those shitty lines make something beautiful you know, mm-hmm. like you're working with dog shit here, yet when you step back, it's a beautiful raw rendering of Batman. That's the goal anyway. Right, right. Um, like w- w- when you were Adam Hughes, like he's taking beautiful lines and turning them into a beautiful piece. Like I get that, of course. And uh, I think that's great, but that's just not as interesting to me as going raw, even though you can't really control dry brush and uh, calligraphy nib that well. It's cool to let the tools do what they do and then sort of go with it you know yeah but if it descends into chaos that's the risk right yeah and it, and it happens <laughs> one of my one of my favorite artists alberto brescia uh yeah. he was the master of of making beautiful things out of uh uh unconvent yeah, yeah shitty lines and unconventional <laughs> tools like he was famous for inking with yeah. a, inking with a razor blade which just mm-hmm. sounds fucking badass <laughs> yeah and yeah. he was um, he was unbelievable at it and then his later yeah. stuff that got more experimental he was doing stuff with like monotyping you know with yeah. uh oil-based ink that he was pressing on glass and stuff and doing these really yeah interesting he things. would ink on glass yeah. and then after transferring it he would just wipe the glass down yeah yeah and it would so be gone there's that would be what you would make an nft yeah <laughs> seriously yeah <laughs> Um, but it's, it's, it was always so like, that's always what I've kind of been wrangling is like, how yeah. do you make something that feels mm-hmm. inorganic or organic into some organic and uncontrollable into something that is like, yeah, you've, you've, you've made a sculpture out of it, so to speak. Yeah. Like comics artwork has kind of claimed feathering mm-hmm. and certain styles of cross-hatching. Like those are the mark makings the comic books generally gravitate towards, and for good reason. Um, but I've always been curious to try to find ways around using that, mm. whether it's dry brush or scribbling or whatever. Um, you know, Jock, uh, another friend of mine who draws a lot of Batman, he uses a lot of markers, and he's mm. found a way to... You know when you use a marker really fast, it kind of fades out oh, right sure. at the end as yeah. you flick it off the page? He's found a way to like try to... He can make that take the place of feathering basically nice. that's yeah. his gray is the markers that he uses um so you know he's kind of cornered the market on that so i don't want to do what he does mm. but yeah this the artist that you're mentioning um Brecchia was one and uh Topi and sure. you know yeah. they're all kind of the same school of thought when it comes to that kind of mark making and uh, 
it's just fascinating how chaotic and wrong it looks but it looks so good when you step back you know yeah i've I've probably i've probably talked about this not this specifically but i i've i've gotten to see bill sinkevich work in person a few times at conventions and Mm -hmm. man it is always one every single time it's one of those situations where it's like you don't know what he's drawing until he's finished because yeah. the way that he's getting the route he's taking to get there is yeah. so not what most people would do. Like yeah. you don't get what he's doing until he puts like the shine on the nose and you're like, Oh my God, he's drawing a face, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's an unbelievable process to watch when yeah. somebody works like that. Yeah. He's kind of a savant. I, I, I would bet if you, Put him into an MRI machine, you would find that his brain is, <laughs> and I mean this in a in, in a complimentary way. Is you would see that he's just wired differently than, than I am. Yeah, like yeah. I have to do the stick figure and then build the muscles and do the, you know I do it more traditionally, but then I try to make it look like Sinkavish at the very end. Yeah, whereas he is just a savant on his own planet, and God bless him for that. You know. Yeah, he was. I saw him draw this thing inside somebody's book once where he was like, it ended up being a portrait of Electra. <laughs> But it, it inv- he like started doing the drawing, and then he like pulled out his whiteout pen and just like mm-hmm. whited out everything and like started like smushing it around with his thumb and stuff and like it was one of those things where you, it was like w- watching somebody work with a piece of clay or putty or something like you didn't know where it yeah. was going until it was over and it was when it got yeah. there you were like holy shit this guy's yeah genius I wonder if uh there's any YouTube videos of him sketching that I can check out I think there are I think there's a couple got to yes. be. Yeah, yeah, he he put out a video. There's a video of him years ago. I don't know how available it is, but there's something that's about. I don't know if it's him sketching or just about him, but I'm sure there's some some stuff in there. I got to find that somewhere. But. Yeah. Um, to get back to Batman for a second, yeah, there's something I wanted May to throw well. out to you. So, yeah, sorry. Um, you know, I really thought I liked season four, but I'm finding it a little cold for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and I'm not really sure why. I'm hoping you can help me figure this out as we keep pushing through here. But um, I feel like seasons one through three were groundbreaking and new. And season four cut out a lot of the depth and exchanged it for action. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. With with less goofy Bruce, it just feels like there's less humanity to it. And like I keep saying, it, it just feels too streamlined. Um, it's like a show. The show knows that seasons one through three were good. And it's using that excuse to sort of be a parody of itself. Mm. And almost it's almost going like, yeah, yeah, you know how we all know how to, we know how to tell stories here. We know how Batman works. We're going to get rid of the title cards. We're going to change the costumes around. We're going to clean it up. We're going to give you like a quick once over of an episode. Like what would have normally have taken us um, an episode and a half, we're going to quickly get it done in 22 minutes here. Mm. And uh, that's that's the best I can describe it right now, and I don't think I like that as much. Yeah, it it feels to me a little bit. Well, it kind of is a little bit like you know how they talk about um, artists or, or musicians that have like contractually obligated albums, yeah. where it's like, yeah. yeah, we're gonna put the album about. <laughs> it's not our best stuff, but you know, it's ACDC, so it is what it is. Yeah, it, it feels like that a little bit, where because they the show had been done, it was over. Mm-hmm. The, they had moved on to Superman. And then they're yeah. like, let's do more Batman. It's like, okay, I guess let's do some more Batman. And uh, yeah. they're they're bringing in more elements to kind of change it up. But mm-hmm. it does – again, we're only two episodes in, so we'll see. But it feels a <laughs> yeah. little bit like they don't know what they find interesting about the show anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's what really stood out to me about the first episode was like like you were saying about that Harley and Ivy sequence where mm-hmm. it's just like animation tests of them dancing in different <laughs> clothes. It's like mm-hmm. what's what's the interesting what's what's the fire being lit in this show anymore? Yeah. Um yeah. but again, we're only two episodes in. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, because I, and mean, I, I mean, I, I love it. I'm just being really picky. Yeah, because this this cartoon made me in a lot of ways. So I'm going to be really picky here. Yeah. And, you know, I think also if you look at what they do after uh, Justice League, I think every episode of Justice League, at least in the first season, is a two parter, I think. Mm-hmm. Or it's either Justice League or Superman. I can't remember one of those. Every. Yeah, I, th- I think it's Justice League. Every episode is a yeah. two parter. So like they're taking their time with that show uh it's it seems like maybe that's where the interest lies is is doing new stuff and you got you got batman beyond going which is a new yeah. interesting thing too so it, it might just be a, yeah. a case of like well we've been there we've done that we have to do it again so we're going to do it yeah. we're going to try and make it interesting but yeah not quite going to hit the heights we we did the first time around. <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's why i never got into justice league was because it looked clean and the batman didn't look like my batman the mm-hmm. years were too long it was stupid things that uh i shouldn't have let bother me but i was also in college i had a driver's license i was out getting laid you know <laughs> sure you <laughs> were old sure you were cartoons <laughs> um well what would you give what would you want to draw on this uh this one well i uh, let me let me kind of adjust that question after you okay. tell me what you want to draw mm-hmm. let me know how you would how you would redesign the batmobile Okay. For this, um, so uh, you can think about that while I while I answer. Um, what I would want to draw in this, I actually really liked the movie theater fight scene with the uh, mm-hmm. like the the silhouettes being thrown up onto the screen and stuff. I thought that was really fun at the end there. Um, mm-hmm. Doing I doing something like that, I think that would be make for a really cool splash page where you've got like either someone on the other yeah. side of the screen seeing the fighting going on, or you've got like. You see the fighting, but behind them you get projected. You've got the the shadows on the screen or something. I think that would be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I would draw the bat boat. Um, and the reason I it stood out was because I'm sort of starting to think about what I'm going to do for Beyond the White Knight. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been looking at pictures of like uh, boats and science fiction boats and stealth boats or whatever. Um, a lot of them are black. And uh, the Beyond Batmobile looks like a boat, honestly. It mm. looks like an 80s ski boat with two long skegs out front, kind of pointy and jagged. It's like a wing design, basically. Um, I feel like when I redesign that Batmobile, I'm going to go off boat design. So my head is already kind of there. So when I saw the scene where the boat floats up, I'm like, oh, that's probably what I would draw right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess um, that kind of leads into my second question then. Yeah, so the reason that the, the, this Batmobile doesn't land for me is, I think it's two, it's the sound of it, the engine's all wrong. The uh, animated series, the first one had like a gurgling eight-cylinder guttural engine. Mm-hmm. And then when it took off, you had a bit of a turbine, you know, like a more like a race car that also has an eight-cylinder engine. It's like a really unique sound. Um, this one just sounds like a dumb race car engine. Yeah. There's nothing that stands out about the sound. I don't think it's featured in a way that makes it 
stand out. Mm. The way that this new Batmobile is like, hey, everyone, it's just a Batmobile. Don't worry about it. It's yeah, Batmobile. I know that the too. Story. Yeah, they're not really drawing any attention to it the way they do. I mean, in the yeah. first one, it's in the credits for like not yeah. a small amount of the credits. Yeah, but when you see the Batmobile, it's a moment in the first three seasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In this one, it's just like, eh, this will, like, they just rushed through it because they spent all their time redesigning, you know, Clayface or whatever. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also, uh, it, it, the new Batmobile more, looks more like a race car and it has a lot of jagged lines on it, but it, there's nothing, uh, there's no feature that stands out. It's just a bunch of jagged lines. Um, which is my sort of criticism on new designs for supercars, like mm-hmm. Lamborghinis from the eighties and Ferraris had clear design features that stand out. And you're like, Oh yeah, those headlights for that rear tail. Now, because they design computer with computers, um, there's so many shapes that your eye is drawn to, like, you don't really know what you're looking at. I mean, it, I'm sure it looks, it, it works well in a wind tunnel, but like, I look at a, a modern hypercar and you don't know what exactly the main feature is. Right. Whereas the Burton Batmobile, you've got like the long nose, you've got the, the spiky bat wings sticking out the back. You've got the circular, circular turbine in the front. Like if you were designed that with a computer now, you would get Zack Snyder's Batmobile. Right. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. I just had to take one more dig. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Do you do you have and, any in particular anything in particular you would do to revamp the Batman the animated series Batmobile if you had to? Oh, the one that I like. Yeah, like so. Say you are in charge of the design going into this new yeah. series for the Batmobile. What would you if you had to make any changes and redesign it to fit the new show? Yeah. What do you think you'd do? Yeah. Um, so there is a design flaw in the this Batmobile, even though I love it. Um, it really works best. So you know the pointy ear thing that all Batmobiles kind of have? It should have the bat ear somewhere mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking, if you're kneeling on the road and looking at the TAS Batmobile, you don't see the spikes because the spikes are pointed straight back behind right. the cockpit. Right. If you film it from above, then suddenly you can see the bat shape. So the one tweak to it I would make is if you're looking at it straight on, I would change that profile and raise those ears so you have that, you know, the, the head ears and shoulders of Batman, which is what good Batmobiles do. Mm. If, uh, I must be the visual, but it's very easy to understand if I just had like <laughs> one in front of me. <laughs> I know. But I yeah. want you to walk, walk us through a technical drawing of a car. <laughs> I mean, if you Google uh, real, you know, TAS Batmobiles and find people who actually built their own, they'll take photos of it from straight on. And there's something off about yeah. it. Um, even um, when Hot Wheels made it, they picked an angle on it where you can't see the spiky ears at all. It just looks like a cool slick back car, but there's nothing Batman about it. I remember you saying uh, um, when they came out with that, the new new line of animated series toys and they came out with the Batmobile that was giant Batmobile. I think, yeah. I think I remember you saying like, yeah, I was kind of tempted to get it until I saw it in person. And it's just not really that interesting. Yeah. It's a whole lot of nothing. A lot of dead space. Yeah. Um, you know, I designed a Batman motorcycle, and I have a huge blank shield for half the bike. It's just like armor shield, you know, between the front tire and the gas tank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it works in a comic because I can render the shit out of their shadows. Like the detail for me is my scratchy line work. Um, but now they're trying to design a statue out of it, and um, the first few drafts came through, and it's boring because it just needs more. As a statue to stare at, 
that's not moving, you need more technical things mm. happening to it. Yeah. So I almost I told him like you should just hit bash and just throw stuff on it to make it look more interesting because even though it works in a comic, it just doesn't work as a statue. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. The uh, <clears throat> I uh, I had caught the first couple episodes of um, the new season of Batwoman they're doing on the CW because mm-hmm. they've got the the new actors playing Batwoman. I was just wanted to see what was going on over there. Yeah. Uh, worst Batmobile I've ever seen in my life. It was like it, I saw a screenshot. Yeah, it, it's yeah. like a it's like a <laughs> Hyundai Sonata that's just painted black or something. It's, <laughs> it's just a car. It's like literally just a car, and yeah. and it comes onto the screen. And I was like, oh, that must be like one of Bruce's cars. And then someone goes, it's the Batmobile. It's like, oh my god, they couldn't yeah, even be know, bothered to put like a cool light on it or something or like yeah, if you have no budget shit. left. Then what you do with that Batmobile, you make it Jaws, and you show it as little as possible. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Just low shots only, where you can't really make out. You just the jet on the back. Spend all the money on yeah. the jet, and then you're good. Did you see that uh, Hot Wheels accidentally released a photo of the Batmobile from the new Robert Pattinson movie? Oh. And it's actually one of the most clear shots we've had so far. It kind of, uh, yeah. What is it called? Uh, ruin the ending. Buried the weed. Sorry. Oh sure. Uh, yeah. If you look up. Yes, I think I did see that. I think you might have texted that to us at some point. Yeah, it's a stripped down muscle car. It honestly looks like right. a Baja racer. Uh, I like it. I mean, for a Batman Year Zero, whatever Year One type of design, I think it looks really cool. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's a pretty cool design. I think it. I think it'll be. Uh... The tough thing about seeing any of that stuff in the bright light of day before you've seen it in a movie is you don't really have any yeah. context for it. So I'm yeah. willing to. Uh, yeah. I think it's a cool design in general, but I'm willing to see how they use it in the in the movie as well. Yeah. Um. What would yep. you What would Never you rate this? Uh, I'm gonna go three. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm. <clears throat> excuse me. I think I'm really close to giving this a four, just because I I really do like the introduction of Tim. But yeah. I think there's enough kind of goofy uh, shortcut stuff, whether it's yeah. Two Faces plot or the key thing or any of that stuff, that it's it's kind of stopping yeah. it from 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 really going over the top for me. Yeah, I mean, I gave Rec- Robin's Reckoning a four, and I look, this is not even close. Sure, I sure. like this episode a lot. Like, this is one of my top twenty, maybe, but yeah, maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I but think. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think this should have been the first episode that they showed. That's not what I was going to say. Holiday yeah. One. yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think this is a good, if you're looking for a good intro to the new season, the new series and what they're doing, I think this is really good. It's a really good start. Yeah. Um, I would take this over actually. Well, you know, it's funny. Now that I think about it, Christmas with the Joker, wasn't that the first episode <laughs> from the last one? I don't remember, but you could, uh, yeah. no, it was, um, is it leather, leather wings? wings? Oh, okay. All yeah, right. yeah. I don't. I don't listen to my own show. I don't know when this stuff happens. But. <laughs> it's funny when we have guests and they know things and point things out that we have not done, even though we're supposedly supposed to be good at this. Yeah, the show for a while. <laughs> I've. It's really interesting being on that side of the fence because I've. I've heard. I heard uh, the Simpsons writers <laughs> talking about one time they did a Simpsons trivia challenge with Simpsons fans, and they got oh, boy. they got absolutely destroyed <laughs> because you know you're working on the stuff. Once it's out the door, you kind of forget about it in case you need it, yeah. unless you need it for something. 
And well, like you, when I said, we don't even read our own books after they come out. We just sort of move forward, you know? Yeah. But I mean, like, think about that, but think about it. Now you're having a conversation. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> right. Right. Well, there was an interview with Patrick Stewart years ago when he was uh, recording something, I don't know, Shakespeare. And he was in his hotel room after, and TNG was on, and he was like, uh, man, I sat down, the first 10 minutes really grabbed me, and I had no idea what the episode was yeah. going. Like, he yeah. could not remember at all. And he wasn't able to go to sleep until he got to the ending. That's. Yeah. Uh, I would love to know what episode that was. <laughs> that's really that's really interesting. I wonder if I wonder if there are artists. I don't. I, I'm not prolific enough to to obviously to have this happen. But there's got to be artists who are like, wow, I don't even remember drawing that. Like, yeah. You think someone like John Romita Jr. See, picks up an yep. issue of something from like 1992, and he's like, wow, <laughs> I don't even remember I drew that episode, that issue of Ravage 2099 or whatever. Yeah. I've seen commissions I did, and I I thought it was a forgery because I don't remember drawing it. <laughs> that's uh, that must be weird, yeah. And I even told the guy like I don't know where you got this, but I, I promise you I did I did not draw this. But the signature looks like me. And then as I stared at it, it took me a week of looking at it, and I was like, actually, I think that is me, and I totally forgot. You so you actually told the guy that you didn't draw it? Yeah, I mean, I was I was nice, and I said. You know, sir, I mean, it was online, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I, I honestly don't remember drawing that. I, um, yeah, I, you can tell me where you got it or the circumstances kind of jog my memory. So we were writing back and forth, and then finally it, it worked. And I was like, oh, I did that right before I graduated from college. It was an old style. It was like oh, 20 years old sure, at this sure. point. Yeah. So then it clicked. But it took a long time for me to actually see myself in it. Well, if could you would you remember draw, that, that time that we went to uh, North Carolina, the show where you and Fiona were just doing commission sketches for three hours straight? Yeah. If someone brought one of those up to you and said, "Do you remember drawing this?" Would you say yes? Because <laughs> I wouldn't. If I was no. doing that many drawings in a row, absolutely would not remember that. No, uh, but my friend uh, Dustin Wynn uh, does remember. Really? He he uh, yeah he uh, he's the artist on. Uh, that image book with Jeff Lemire. Uh, Descender. Uh, yeah, Descender. Thank you. And he's really, he's got a really great Batman. He does a ton of Batman sketches and heads and does a watercolor wash. And he can draw Batman in his sleep at this point. And I think he does what most of us do is you just get good at one Batman head and you just kind of draw the head over right, and over. Right. Um, but he can still, he claims that when you show him any one of his sketches of Batman, he can remember which convention he was at. That's wild. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't tested him on it, <laughs> so next time I see him and we're drunk, uh, maybe I'll buy a yeah. few commissions from him yeah. on eBay and see if he can tell me where it was from. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, we have. I think we might be at our longest episode we've done in four seasons. So welcome back. Yeah. Everyone. Sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> it's a bit. We haven't we haven't talked about this stuff in a while, so it's, we had a lot to cover. Got a new yeah, new show, good. new designs, new season, and uh, next time. We will be back with cold comfort and double talk. We got a Mr. F Mr. Freeze right out of the gate on this one, so mm. that'll be interesting. There you go. But uh, thank you, Sean, for joining me. Thank you, Clay. It's good to be with you again. Yeah, you too. Even if it's not with you at all. Yeah, we'll have to fix that soon. <laughs> and uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>